Welcome to Start to Finish, the XRTZO podcast, where we explore the scriptures to prepare and equip real people for real purpose. Here's your host, Dr. Christopher Romano. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on today's show. This is Start to Finish, the XRTZO podcast, and I'm Chris Romano. I'm your host and always grateful, always thrilled that uh, you join me on uh, in, in these particular episodes uh, as we explore the Word of God together, studying for the, for the express purpose to prepare um, real people for real purpose. That's why our show exists. Uh, I'm, I'm confident that's why you're listening into this show, because you are looking for um, an opportunity to be educated. You're looking for an opportunity to be equipped, trained uh, in the Word of God, and that's what, that's what Start to Finish exists for. Uh, we want to be part of the solution, uh, part of the process. I'm reminded of First uh, Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter, chapter three, where the apostle Peter talks about in his closing remarks how we are as the church to grow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're to grow. And grow is an important term. It's an important concept uh, in the scriptures. Um, our spiritual growth does not happen overnight. It's a process. Uh, it's a progressive reality uh, where we are continually uh, being made and formed uh, by the grace of God into the image of God. I mean, you don't come out of the spiritual womb looking like Jesus, right? Uh, it takes it takes time. It takes it takes um, it takes the grace of God for sure, but it takes also um, a cooperation on your part, on my part, um, to study, to show ourselves, approve. Uh, to continually uh, give ourselves to spiritual disciplines, uh, like studying the word, like reading the word, devotions, um, you know, our personal worship time. Obviously, it includes our prayer time. Um, you know, all the different spiritual disciplines that we learn to hear the voice of God, that we learn to know how to communicate with God, and so all of these different aspects uh, contribute to our growth. And this podcast. Um, was created in its inception for the purpose of helping each and every one of you grow. Uh, I constantly put this metaphor out there uh, about a a pathway that each of us are on. And um, I believe that that path starts when we initially repent of our sin and when we turn away from our sin and we devote our hearts toward God, recognizing he is the rightful king, uh, rightful uh, ruler, and um, he is, he's also a God who is uh, appeared to us in the person of Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our personal Savior, as our personal rescuer, deliverer, redeemer, uh, the one, the only one uh, who can bring us uh, acceptably, rightly uh, to God. And, um, you know, the gospel is, is very, very clear. The good news is that Jesus came to do what we could never do ourselves. Um, he could never, we could never live a perfect life. Jesus did. Uh, we could never, um, merit the, 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 the favor and the blessing of God. What well, well, Jesus did. And ultimately through his death, his burial, and then his resurrection, he turns the face of God, um, toward us, uh, our sin, um, because we're born into sin is what turns the face of God away from us. Um, and as in, in our sinful condition, uh, we are, um, you know, continually rejecting God. God will also, um, you know, reject us uh, without 
the, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Uh, without uh, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb, um, there is no hope. And Jesus becomes all of that. Jesus becomes the perfect uh, sacrifice, the perfect lamb. John the Baptist describes him um, in, uh, in the Gospel of John as, as the lamb, as the lamb of God who was uh, slain to take away our sin, right? He took away our sin. So Jesus, the personification of the grace of God, becomes for us what we could not become in and of ourselves. And so to the extent that we give ourselves to these truths, to the extent that we understand and gain wisdom and insight and, uh, and clarity uh, to you know, how the Bible instructs us, how the Bible calls us to live as followers of Jesus Christ, um, is to the extent that we walk uh, on that straight and narrow path. And so, again, the reason why, you know, you can, you can, you can hop on to, you know, Apple Podcasts or you can go to Spotify or you can go to Google Podcasts. Or you can go to any one of these uh, particular uh, podcast platforms to find Start to Finish. We exist to help you go from start to finish, to make progress, to grow in the grace, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's what today's show is all about. So we're in this series looking at uh, some basic foundational theological, uh, you know, un- underpinnings that have, have existed, you know, for all time and really are there as landmarks for us to understand who we are, understand who God is, and understand what he's called us to do as his followers. So uh, in the first couple of episodes, we've been looking at, you know, what theology is um, and how important theology is. And, and then last week, we, we kind of got our foot in the door to looking at some of the attributes of God, uh, which we're going to do again in this episode. Now, I want to be clear, um, this is not going to look at every single attribute of God with you know, a microscope. Uh, I, I wish we could do that, um, but we certainly don't have time for that, uh, at least in this series. So we're kind of uh, looking at different attributes of God that that help us to understand who God is and understand what God is like. And so in today's episode, we're going to lo- be looking at the attribute of God's love. When I think about what God is like, I, I certainly think about how he is the God of Love and how love isn't something that God has or possesses necessarily. It's something that He is in His being, in His essence, in His nature. God is love. So we're going to be looking into that uh, here in today's show. I hope uh, that as you as you listen in, as you as you really um, you know lean in, that you'd have an ear to hear, that you'd understand what the Word of God teaches, you'd understand what the Bible communicates in terms of this attribute of God's love, there is no greater transformational reality than the love of God. I truly believe that. If, if you can you know, apprehend the height, the, the depth, the width, the length of the love of God, yes, it does pass our knowledge. Yes, it does surpass our intellect. But if you can grasp by the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me. I need you to impress upon me um, the richness of the love that God has for me. You will be transformed. You will be changed. You'll never be the same. And again, it's going to nudge you further and further and farther and farther on that path so that you can grow, 
so that you can develop and so that you can become everything that God has designed you to be. So let's listen in today, today's show, speaking about the attribute of God's love. Last week, we focused our content on looking into some of the attributes of God. Now, we didn't do this exhaustively, of course. We don't really have time in these short episodes uh, to do that. But we did enough to provide a glimpse, uh, kind of from the air, so to speak, um, to see how the Bible actually portrays God, which, of course, that's what I'm looking for. I hope that's what you're looking for, too. I mean, there's so many different ideas about who God is and so many different opinions about God. But the Bible is clear and the Bible is because it's sourced by God, it's God self-revealing himself, you know, himself and, and who he is and, and what he's like. And so last week's episode, the kind of way the way I explained it was these attributes are what make God God. It's what causes him to be unique as compared to the rest of his creation, and particularly us, particularly us humans. So we discussed attributes like his eternal nature, right? God is eternal. He's everlasting. He's, uh, he's transcendent. Uh, he's, he's higher. He's superior. He's greater. We looked at his personal nature that in spite of, in spite of his transcendence, he still relates to us. He still communicates to us. He still reaches out uh, to us because he is relationship within himself. He's personal within himself. And then we also considered how the essence of his being is is spirit. So it's in all of these that we kind of got a glimpse of the the framework, the, the theological framework that the scripture uses to teach us about God, about who God is, his nature and his being. Now in today's show, We're going to keep our thumb on the subject of God's identity, but we're going to do so by looking into his character. We're going to look inward to God, um, really with the aim of seeking to discover what is God like. So in last week's episode, we kind of saw this is is who God is. This is is what what really separates God from, from everyone else that is ever existed. And now we're looking even closer into how the Bible reveals God's character. And ultimately, what this is designed to do, this, this, this particular episode, is designed to draw you in closer. And this is what I'm so grateful for God and his word. He is so personal. He invites us to come close. You know, I was driving uh, the other day on a busy interstate, and I had this this thought of, we have, God is so accessible. We have access to God as much as we want, right? So, so as much as you want of God, you can have. And that's incredible to me, considering if you, if you put all of what we said about God, you know, last week, his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. God sits above his creation. He is king of all of the universe, certainly of, of the, the things that he has, has created. And yet he's opened the door for people like you and me to know him, 
for us to be able to discover what he's like, to be able to relate to him. I just, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And what I've come to, to, to know about God is he wants nothing more than for each and every one of us to enter into this kind of living, unending quest to find his heart, to discover who he is and what he's like. And, and, and not just, you know, I guess this goes without saying, but not just so that we can have a right and proper theology. I mean, obviously that's important. Obviously that, that's, a, that's a foremost concern of my life and, and of my ministry. So we want, we want to have that. But, but, but God's heart more so is so that we can walk with him. Right, So he wants us to know him properly, rightly, as he's revealed in the scriptures, but he wants us to do so so that we can walk with him, so that we can connect with him, so that we can enter into this space of abiding and remaining with him. So, I mean, some of the things we learn as we study who God is, I mean, they're just so, so unbelievable, so really unfathomable. And the truth is, in one sense, it, they really are. The true identity of God is, is sometimes really impossible to grasp, but this is what I know. While it's impossible to grasp, it's not impossible for us to experience. So when we enter into studying the Word of God, we enter into this, this arena of theological study, theological inquiry, it's really important for us to keep in mind that sometimes our hearts are going to take us where our heads simply can't go. Um, God has defied my logic. God has defied and even offended my intellect more times than I could possibly recount. So my pursuit, my pursuit in this episode, in all these episodes, is really to kind of join our head and our heart together. And all the while, we're looking for the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, and to escort us directly into the throne room. So the first character attribute of God that I want to discuss, and this is, again, this can be argued, this can be debated. For me, I'm just giving it to you out of my own experience. Um, This is the primary attribute, in my view, of God's character, and that attribute is his love. God is love. This is what the scripture clearly expresses in 1 John 4 and verse 8. It says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So as you study the character of God, as you study even really the attributes of God, central to to this study is the realization that he is the God who is love. It is his nature. So when you see God, you know, in different places in the Bible, when you see him acting in love toward various people, it's just simply an overflow of who he is. God loves because he is love. Let me say it again. God loves, he shows forth love, because he is love. And this is so crucial to understand. You know, one of the things that, I I think it's one of the most profound revelations that came to me many, many years ago, was that in himself, God is love. He does not need the world to express his love. He certainly doesn't need me. He wants me, 
but he doesn't need me. And so when you think about it, you, know, you see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, God creating. He didn't speak the world. Um, he didn't speak man. He didn't speak creation into existence so that he would have something, so like some kind of external object or something to express his love or put on display his love. God is love eternal within himself, the essence of which is bound up within the perfect union between Father, Son, and Spirit. In other words, Father loves the Son perfectly. Son loves the Father perfectly. There is a, there's a unifying harmony that is boundless, limitless, unbreakable within the Godhead himself. So God is love. Whether or not the world was here, whether or not the world was created or not, he still is love. Now, of course, he did create the world and he did create you and I as man. And, and so the world, all of creation, us, we, we serve as, as sort of an arena of, of God's love um, so that we can visibly see and tangibly experience what his love is like. Now, undoubtedly, while you know we think about God's love, we think about it from particularly your own experience, right? I'm, I'm assuming that, that you're a Christian. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know everybody who's listening to this, but I know the majority of, of our listenership is, 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 is likely followers of Christ. And so when you consider your own experience with God's love or when you consider your own experience in your relationship with God, probably your mind goes right to thinking about the love of God that is in Christ, the love of God that was offered to you in the gospel, the love of God that exists in the cross, in the resurrection, right? So, and, 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 I'm not dismissing that at all. I believe the chief manifestation of God's love is Jesus Christ, his arrival that's recorded for us in the New Testament scriptures. But I also want to point out to you, when we're kind of taking this air or panoramic view of God's love, his love is easily seen in the Old Testament as well. Now, remember last week when we said that God is the unchanging one, he remains the same. He's not going to make adjustments, so he's not going to modify himself. Um, <laughs> he's not a chameleon, right? He's, he's not going to shift himself to accommodate certain environments or certain situations or or certain people. Let me say it again. According to First John four and verse eight, he is love. He is love now. He is love in the new covenant. He was love in the old covenant. He was love in all of the record of scripture that's given to us in those beautiful 39 books, those 39 manuscripts that we have um, that we refer to as the Old Testament. Now, we could sit here and spend an entire episode just looking at different scriptural examples found in the Old Testament that reveal his love. I mean, and I say this because there is kind of a, um, uh, a, a misinformed view of God that suggests that the, the God is love in the New Testament. God was wrath in the Old Testament. God is grace in, in the New Testament. God was was law in the Old Testament. And so it kind of pits one against the other. Um, and and again, you have to you have to understand what the Bible shows from cover to cover to really understand that God is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, God is the same. He is the God who cannot change. He was God. 
or he was love in the Old Testament just as much as he's love in the New Testament. So let me give you a couple of examples here. Just think about creation. Think about the truth, and, and obviously there are um, other examples within creation, but just thinking about our creation, right? When God created humans, how did he create us? He created us in his image. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, he created us in his image. He created us in his likeness. Now, he could he could have made us robotic. He could have made us dissimilar, um, you know, like the animal kingdom. He, he you know, he could have done done something uh, differently when he when he you know breathed us, breathed life into us, into existence. But no, he didn't do that. He personally crafted us out of the substance of his love. Why? So that we could relate to him. Ultimately, so that we could represent him, be his image bearers on the earth, be his co-rulers. Right to to uh, express, embody, and also execute his will on the earth. Think about uh, also, so I mean, that's obviously a, a consideration of God as love. But but think also about st- stay in the Garden of Eden, stay in the early portions of Genesis, where you have uh, God clothing Adam and Eve, right? This is after the fall. Think about the cosmic devastation of our first parents' rebellion. And how not even that prevented God from acting out of his love to extend his redemptive heart uh, to provide for his prize creation. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a stunning, stunning and really scandalous view of the love of God. And we're only in, you know, Genesis chapter 3. So there's lots of different places. I mean, I could get out of Genesis and, and go, you know, throughout the um, the biblical narrative that, that appears to us in the Hebrew scriptures. But one place in the Old Testament that I think so clearly communicates the nature of his love is when God calls the nation of Israel to be a peculiar, set-apart people unto himself. Now, you know the story. He sovereignly chooses uh, the nation of Israel out of all the other nations of the world. And he chose them not because they were anything special. He chose them not because they deserved to be cho- uh, chosen by him, uh, but simply and purely because he loved them. Now, it, don't take it from me. Listen to the scriptures Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 3. says this For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Verse seven, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people for you were the least of all peoples. Verse eight, but, that's a big but, but because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. How clear is that? Did God choose Israel because they were some noteworthy, you know, some accomplished, some, you know, kind of, uh, you know, um, pious, good, faithful people. No, clearly, 
God chose Israel not because of something that was attractive within the people. Uh, He chose them because he is love. I mean, verse 8 says, but because the Lord loves you. And of course, God had made a covenant with Abraham, which is also uh, apparent here in verse 8. He kept the oath which he swore to their fathers, which would have been Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when you think about the event called the Exodus, right? That that incredible event that really serves as kind of the hallmark of, of the entire Old Testament story, uh, certainly from a redemption standpoint. Uh, but when you think about the Exodus and, and God um, powerfully and climatically rescuing the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery, you think about all that that surrounds that moment. Um, think of the reason why. Why? Why did God redeem them? Why did God rescue them? Why did God come with a strong right hand and and overcome um, an incredible superpower like Egypt was in those days? Well, Well, Deuteronomy 7 tells us he did it because he loved them. He did it because he just simply had affection for them. Israel didn't earn it. Israel didn't deserve it. They were merely God's objects. Of, of of his love and of his and of his mercy, and it's his love for them. If you know the story from from the Exodus, uh, it's his love that continues to endure despite the fact that they will stumble all over themselves. They they will persistently be disobedient and and rebellious, and 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 yet God sends prophets. He'll warn them. He'll instruct them. He'll discipline them. He'll judge them but he also never fails to rescue and redeem them. And, and that's, that's, that's the story of the Bible, right? That is the incredible, unthinkable, unfathomable story of God's love for humans, not just for Israel, for all of humans. Now, the Old Testament, of course, is the foundation for seeing God's love in the new covenant, which we mentioned earlier, is is without question the chief expression of God's love for 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 all of us. So Jesus is the very embodiment; he's the very incarnation of the love of God, and he serves us with a crystal clear image of who the Father is and of the nature of the Father. And of course, we're we're, we're talking about the attribute of God's love, so we're talking about the love. Of the Father. I mean, the classic text of this is John three sixteen, which undoubtedly you are familiar with. For God so loved the world that what did He do? He gave His only Son, that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish, but experience and have everlasting life. How about Romans five and verse eight? It says, "But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ." died for us. He didn't wait for us to get right. He didn't wait for us to get good. He didn't wait for us to clean up. He came to us and he offered his hand. He offered his life. He offered his heart to us, even while we were in the process of rejecting him. How about John 15 and verse 13? Again, these are are very familiar verses. John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. God is love. Jesus expresses that love 
perfectly. And as if you just string together those three verses, right? They're very, very, very basic, very foundational verses. But if you string together those, the collection of those verses teach us that God's love isn't reserved for one nation like Israel. It's for the whole world. It isn't just for friends as John 15 verse 13. Otherwise, you could look at Jesus's death as simply like, a martyr's death, but but it's more than that. It's 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 it expands beyond the the dimensions of just love for friends, right? Uh, Romans five eight says he he loved us while we were still sinners, right? So God's love is for his enemies, and of course, uh, as Romans ten and uh, verse thirteen say, his love is for whosoever whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Uh, can experience firsthand, personally, the love of God. So much like we saw in the Old Testament, where the nation of Israel didn't merit, they didn't earn God's affection, no individual person, not you, not me, no individual person, no matter how virtuous, no matter how good they might appear, no matter how pious they, they, they may seem, nobody attracts the love of God. God loves because he is love. God loves because he in his love. And that's what makes this so incredible, right? The divine supernatural attribute of God exists. It's real, it's tangible, but it's also available and it's accessible to everyone who would be willing to receive it. Listen to Bible teacher Jerry Bridges' remark concerning the unimaginable love of God. He said this, he said, God's unfailing love for us is an objective fact I would, I would also add truth. <laughs> it's an objective fact. It's affirmed over and over in the scriptures. He says, it is true whether we believe it or not. Our doubts do not destroy God's love, nor does our faith create it. It originates in the very nature of God who is love, and it flows to us through our union with his beloved son. Isn't that great? Yeah. And so, man, we could talk so, so much more about, you know, the, the, the basis of his love. I, what I want to do, though, is, is I, I want to think about it um, a, little, a little more so. Like within the nature of God's love, there are other attributes that extend outward. And, and what they do is they serve to communicate what God's love is actually like so similar to the way a tree possesses like several different kind of branches and what do they do those branches carry the life source of that tree and then bear fruit that sh- what do they do that shows forth the identity of that tree and that's how it is with God's love so God's love is seen in these so-called branches that exist and things like his grace his unmerited favor right his compassion or his mercy how about his kindness, his generosity, and certainly, certainly his goodness? I think this latter branch, personally, um, it's not only of particular importance to me, um, as God has certainly revealed his goodness to me, uh, but I think it's important when you consider the witness of the scriptures. I mean, from cover to cover, the Spirit continues to emphasize how good, fundamentally, and intrinsically good God is. Listen just 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 for for a moment as we begin to land the plane for the association between God's love and God's goodness. Psalm 118 and verse 1. Oh give thanks to the Lord 
for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And again, in Psalm 100 and verse 5, for the Lord is good. You got it. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Just as God is love, God is again and again, over and over, described in the Bible as being good. God is good. Jesus is good, right? I mean, he said this himself. What kind of shepherd is he? John chapter 10. He is a good shepherd, right? He watches out for his flock. He cares for his flock. He protects his flock. He feeds his flock. He is a good shepherd, And so no matter what kind of false images, and there are so many uh, in the world, um, and they attempt to to, to, to distort the very nature of of who God is, uh, the Bible is clear. God is love and God is good. And this is why the Psalms, and I, I mean, you could quote, you know, hundreds of Psalms in this regard, but this is why the Psalms lay out a continuous and open invitation that my heart is you will grab a hold of it and you will take him at his word and um, enter into this space of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. So God is love. God is grace. God is compassion. He's mercy. He's kind. He's generous. He is good. And certainly, Uh, These are what God and his character is like. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Start to Finish podcast. This episode was produced by Samuel Romano. Music was written and performed by Justin Jolly. For more information on the teaching ministry of Dr. Romano, please visit www.vcbcs.org. That's www.vcbcs.org. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Start to Finish, the Exertizo podcast where we are preparing real people for real purpose.